This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode number 16. Wait for it. Wait for it. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness, and I don't know about you, but in my experience, one reason why the holidays can turn out to be quite stressful is that people suddenly have to spend time with other people. They haven't forgiven big or small things. Now we will talk about what forgiveness is, what the benefits are, and the steps which different forgiveness programs have in common. Before we get to that, though, I would like to thank Hildur. Um, from Iceland. She submitted the first iTunes review. And this is what she said. Like listening to a friend. I've never met you, but I really like your podcasts. So if you're ever in Iceland, please let me buy you a cup of coffee. Cheers, Hildur. Well, Hildur, thank you so, so much. Iceland has actually been on my radar for quite a while. A couple of my friends went there last summer and um, last year. And Nobody, you know, everybody has told me beautiful things and show me beautiful pictures. So I've been wanting to see it for a while. And they have this offer that when you fly to the US, you can stop over for free. So I might take you up on this offer sooner than you think, Hildur. Anyway, please send me an email so we can connect because I'm really so interested and so grateful. And I want to know who you guys are because... You guys, you know me, but I don't know you. So, yeah, anytime, please send me an email and I would love to meet some of you in person one day, really. Okay, so back to forgiveness. What is it? Well, there are different 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 definitions. In case you're wondering why I'm not editing stuff like that out, um my hero Pat Flynn says that we should really learn to speak properly and we only improve if we stop editing out everything that makes us sound dumb. So I will intentionally sound a little bit dumb in order to become better at podcasting. So sorry for that. Going back to it. So different definitions about forgiveness include various aspects. Now one definition is that forgiveness is a freeing from a negative attachment to the source that has done something wrong. Another one is, it's a decrease in motivation to avoid harm or take revenge on the person who has wronged you and an increased desire to act positively towards this person. Yet another definition says that forgiveness is a realistic assessment of the harm done and the responsibility that the person has. Now, this is important because some people think that forgiveness is about forgetting or glossing over the problem, and this is not the case. Another aspect of forgiveness is the decision to cancel the debt, which also refers to letting go of negative emotions. Another, Yet another way of looking at it is to remove yourself from the victim role. Now, what's interesting about all these definitions is that they each bring something else to the table. So it's not really 
just about what the other person has done. Most of the work seems to actually be in the person who is the victim of whatever happened. And there are also some interesting cultural differences because in some cultures, forgiveness can only happen between two people. Whereas in more individualistic societies, we can have a go at forgiving someone even if the other person is not around. Now, there are three purposes um, in forgiveness. The first is to promote healing. The second is to prevent problems. And the third is to promote flourishing. Now, individually, people get different benefits from the act of forgiveness. The first is better physical health, better mental health, improved relationships, and also spiritual benefits. Now, what's interesting is this is not just, this is not just concern individual people. It's also about the group. Forgiveness breaks the cycle of violence, and this protects the group and is therefore an evolutionary advantage. Just imagine if people could not forgive each other. It's very likely, especially in past times, that they would, you know, one would kill the other and then that person would take revenge and it would just get completely out of control and threaten the whole group. Now, another thing that has been found, another benefit for groups is that those who witness forgiveness, even if they had nothing to do whatsoever with the incident, they feel positive and this stabilizes the whole group. Now, who is forgiven? Most research is based on people forgiving each other, on one person having an issue with another person. However, and that's what the majority of this podcast is about, of this episode. However, there is also the self that needs to be forgiven sometimes. And the definition of self-forgiveness is, it's a process of releasing resentment towards oneself for a perceived transgression or wrongdoing. Because we can't get away from ourselves, the consequences of not forgiving ourselves can be actually much more serious than not forgiving other people. And in self-forgiveness, it's really about releasing shame and guilt. The first step to do this is to assess the situation and take responsibility. We will talk more about how forgiveness works later. Um, this is just in a context of self-forgiveness. However, there are obviously overlaps with um, forgiveness of other people. Then the next step is to confess and apologize. Um, this is not always in, um, part of the process because sometimes maybe the person is not available or is not around anymore. Um, this release is not just important for our own psychological health. And that's something that might be important for you if you're someone who finds it very hard to forgive yourself it's important to know that getting rid of guilt and shame can really help us to focus on how we can contribute to other people's well-being and growth something we can't do if we're constantly thinking about what we have done wrong and constantly worrying about it so it's actually for the benefit of the people around you if you can find it in your heart to forgive yourself now, also, interestingly, it has been found, although some forgiveness researchers say that this is not possible, um, others have seen situations where patients 
are actually not angry at people, but at situations. Now, um, Snyder talks about an example of a guy who was unable to move on with his life because he was so angry at the tornado that had destroyed his house. So the task of the therapist in that case was to help him to see that others in the same situation have moved on and that blaming circumstances was something that helped him back. It it held him back, sorry. It didn't he had to get over it. He had to overcome it and also understand that the tornado, you know, it other people suffered from it as well. It's not something that just happened to him and this led them actually to see how if we hold grudges towards situations and circumstances, this can again really, really hold us back. Now, forgiveness interventions can be experienced both by individuals and also within groups. And we will mainly talk about um, interventions for individuals. However, I would like to point out that in groups, it is it has been shown to be really important as well. And one example is the are the Escuelas de Perdón y Reconciliación <laughs> in several Latin American countries. They actually have 60 to 80 hours of class where they teach people who suffered from war and conflict how to forgive, which I think is really, really interesting. Now, making a decision to forgive is not enough. We have to work on our emotions, thoughts, and behaviors to achieve real forgiveness. And without feelings such as empathy, true forgiveness is very unlikely. And this is not just my opinion. This is what the research has found. They also found that the longer the treatment lasts, the better the results. So some of the most successful treatments, they required about 60 hours. Now, they found that obviously most people don't want to invest that much time in getting over something. I mean, 60 hours is pretty significant. That's basically, if you have a working week, and a working week is about 40 to 42 hours of work, um, just imagine you would be in forgiveness class for, you know, over for about one and a half weeks and doing nothing else. But actually, it pays off because those who underwent forgiveness programs, they were more likely to forgive than the 71% of other people who did not go through such programs. And it was shown that people are motivated to forgive if they think about the benefits this has to themselves rather than the benefits it has to the offender, which is kind of understandable. If we're really, really angry or disappointed with someone, we are not able to or most of us are not able to be really altruistic and to have the main motivation of trying to forgive the person so that the other person feels good. The main motivation in that case is usually that we feel better. Various steps are used in different forgiveness programs, and there are lots of them. And um, they all have three things in common. They're all about reviewing the situation and the pain, increasing empathy for the offender and strengthening the understanding of the benefits of forgiveness and the whole situation. The most famous one is Enright's process model of forgiveness. And I would like to go through the phases here in a little bit more detail, just so that you have a framework 
If you have forgiveness issues in your life, you can use this framework. However, as always, please make sure that if you undergo really strong emotions or if you find that you're struggling with anything that you hear here on this podcast, but in your life in general, you know, make sure that you get yourself some help. You shouldn't just, you know, suffer alone. Okay. So if thinking about any of these things is distressing to you, please, please make sure that you get some help. Okay. So the first step of Enright's process model of forgiveness is the uncovering phase. So basically it's about uncovering the reality, really looking at what happened and experiencing the pain again. And that might be one reason why lots of people choose not to forgive because they might want to avoid looking, you know, remembering too much about the situation and experiencing the pain. The second phase is the decision phase. So here, basically, they ask people to think about forgiveness and what it means and what it entails before actually forgiving. But also, sometimes in some programs, they tell you to make the decision now that you already want to forgive. Okay, so the fourth, uh, sorry, the third phase is the work phase. So here, what they try to do is see the offender with new eyes. What this means is that you can actually see, you know, step into their shoes. Now, we obviously want to distinguish, you know, the severity in what happened. I mean, lots of these things might not be appropriate if you were, for example, a victim of you know, sexual abuse or anything as grave as that. These forgiveness programs, although some of them deal with that, um, most of them are actually more about, in you know, like minor transgressions or like, you know, stuff that happens in everyday life. You know, we might get really, really hurt, but objectively nobody, you know, injured anybody. Nobody completely derailed something. So this is about looking at the other person and seeing with their eyes and understanding their motives and develop, developing a sense of empathy, the ability to basically see things through their eyes. And this extends to the ability to feel compassion for that person because usually when somebody hurts us, they are either suffering themselves or they have, you know, they, they're severely limited in understanding the people around them so they might not understand what kind of impact their action has and that's actually a sad thing and it's a thing that might cause suffering to them as well and the last step of the work phase is acceptance accepting the situation accepting what the offender has done now it's not finished with that the next phase is the deepening phase and this is the final one and here it's really about finding meaning in suffering and forgiveness. And this could be, for example, seeing that the situation has made you grow as a person and maybe you've managed to become more understanding of other people as a result of this example, of this event, sorry. Another part of the deepening phase is also understanding that we ourselves have relied on other people to forgive us in the past. It's not like we are perfect. We absolutely need each other to forgive. The other thing is understanding that we are not the only people who have suffered. It's not just us. Sometimes the most painful thing is to feel that we are completely alone in our suffering. 
But the truth is, this is rarely the case. In in most instances, most events have happened to people around us as, as well. And that's important to acknowledge that, that we are not the only one. And the next part of the deepening phase is to really try to move on, see different new goals and purposes. And the last part is to really be aware that now as a result of going through that program, you feel, you actually do feel less negative and more positive emotions. And that's important to acknowledge because sometimes we work so hard on bettering ourselves that we don't stop to actually enjoy the progress that we've made. And that's an important part of Enright's process model of forgiveness. Now, there are some other additional interesting thoughts on forgiveness, which Luskin made, and it's from his forgive for good model. It is promising, but it hasn't been studied enough to say that it definitely works, you know, not like Enright's model, which has been researched, and there's quite a lot of evidence suggesting that works. However, I think some of these questions could be really useful to you. So here's what you can ask yourself if you if you're struggling with forgiveness. What does not feel okay about the offense? Not just I am generally really upset, but which part of this event is really the most hurtful to me? Are you possibly confusing forgiveness with reconciliation? And this means that some people don't want to forgive because they mean that they have to automatically reconcile, which means that you basically you get on with that person maybe as before, and that's not always true. You, there is a possibility that you can forgive someone and never see them again. Are you taking the offense personally while it might have had nothing or very little to do with you? Do you understand that your distress comes from your thoughts and feelings about the event and not the event itself? Now, this is an important one because sometimes we feel that there is only one possible response to an event. For example, let's say if you're in a relationship and your partner has cheated, most people, me included, would feel incredibly hurt. However, if you think about it on a grand scale, there are some people who have relationships where they where they say, you know what, that's maybe part of, you know, how humans are wired or whatever. So I'm not gonna that's not reason enough for me to to feel bad for months or even break up with my partner. So although we might feel that the only solution to being cheated on is to break up and to be really really depressed, looking at some other examples might show us that this is not always the case. So it's really our thoughts and feelings about an event that caused the distress and not necessarily the event itself. Now, are you using techniques to manage your stress? That's also important. You have to care about yourself. Um, when you experience severe stress, it's important that you understand what calms you down, what makes you feel better, who are the people can support you and all of that so that's a really important part of this whole forgiveness exercise and um, one slightly critical question is do you expect others to take care of your needs instead of 
making sure that they're met by yourself. Because sometimes we're hurt by stuff that people do because we expect them to make us happy. But really, while other people clearly, clearly have the capacity to make us happy, if we expect them to do this on a regular basis, maybe we have to revisit our own expectations. And um, if for some reason you are offended because whatever happened did interfere with your goals or achieving something, are there other ways that you can achieve your goal? Maybe it's not just through whatever happened and maybe you're not forever blocked from reaching that. And last but not least, are you giving more power to the offender than this person actually deserves? I really feel that this is an interesting topic and it's important, especially now that we might spend more time with our families. And I think lots of families have underlying issues and it doesn't have to be huge. It, this is not about huge, huge, troublesome, like somebody murdered someone events. This is more about people saying the wrong things to each other and then not getting over it ever. And that kind of stuff can really build up and, and it can really create a wall between people and and this when we then suddenly have to hang out with each other because it's christmas we might you know run up against this wall so it is my hope that if you hear this before christmas and maybe you can you know think about things and possibly you've heard now some ideas that will help you to see whatever happened um through slightly altered different you know, from a different perspective. Yeah. Okay. So I hope this was useful to you. And um, Darren has a little message for you. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at Kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www s-t-r-e-n-g-t-h-s-p-h-o-e-n-i-x dot com okay talk to you soon bye-bye thanks for listening to the positive psychology podcast we're saying goodbye with happy yogurt <laughs>